tailgates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway. The Monday edition has arrived. Big weekend for both of us. Hope you did as well. Sixth and Peabody are located with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey Wallace will join us from Outkick. Coming up in uh, about 40 minutes, we'll discuss some big news across the NCAA, NIL, and more. Plus, Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me, later in today's show on all things college hoops. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, hon. I don't want to make this too dramatic because you're only gone for one day, but it's good to have you back. Good to be back. You're back, and I'm glad that you're back. Good to, good to be back. I, I wish we were uh, you You joined me for what was a, a fun yeah, a little, little, uh, little nice, like, beach uh, hamlet trip, we'll call it. Was, it. yes. Right? Not like a so, big resort town, but a nice little beach village you went to. Yeah, where Clay Travis is the mayor. Yes, he uh, is. Of Alice Beach. I, I will say, uh, shout out Fred and Angela Jackson uh, watching now. Um, very simple to describe how to watch the show. Outkick.com slash watch. Outkick.com slash watch. You can listen to, to the show wherever you get your podcast. There's plenty of routes to consume this media. That's right. And uh, we're going to give them all to you throughout the show today. Uh, Chad, I saw this uh, graphic over the weekend. Uh, through uh, an ESPN broadcast. It was the uh, UNC and Virginia matchup. And uh, you've got uh, Dave O'Brien uh, is the play-by-play announcer of this. And um, I believe the... Corey Alexander. Corey Alexander, yep. thank you. I was going to say Anthony. It was Corey Alexander. Uh, the graphic for uh, the ACC matchup. Bizarre. <laughs> the headline, ACC head coaches who happen to be black. And they list all of the African-American head coaches in the ACC who happen to be black. Pointing this out, and Corey Alexander even admitted, uh, they had an intelligent conversation on the actual video watching it back, uh, said, hey, I I called a game where both coaches were black. And I didn't even think about it. It was just just normal, which is what it is. Uh, But forcing this during Black History Month when, I mean, it's less about ethnicity and more about are you good at your job or not in this profession. Chad, we've said this multiple times. Even in the Super Bowl matchup with Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Jalen Hurts, we don't even think about it, but ESPN's forcing it, and even the broadcasters are saying, yeah, it's just not that big of a deal. So I don't have a huge issue with this, and let me, let me tell you why. Um, we have a great production team here at OutKick that's in studio with us every day, and they do, a, they do a terrific job. All sides have to help each other, right? It, it is truly no a, a collaborative team effort. Your production team can make me look dumb, can make Hutton look dumb, can make Clay Travis look dumb, can make Charlie look dumb or Dan Dockich or anyone else look dumb if, it, if, it's not, if there's not a level of synchronicity with graphics department along with production team, uh, you have executive producers, you have producers, you have uh, switchers, you have camera operators. You have all of these facets of a team to make a broadcast go and to make it coherent. And if one of those elements is just a little bit off, you get a graphic like this that is hard to explain. But is it hard to explain? Because I listened to the back and forth with Dave O'Brien and Corey Alexander, and my initial thought was Corey Alexander could have actually done a better job immediately explaining the graphic. Because here is what I'm going to guess what happened. And we may hear from someone at ESPN that tells us this is exactly what happened. Corey Alexander's point was a good one. That we're getting to a point where I don't even care what the race is because we're just getting more and more of who is the best coach. 
And you're seeing that with the amount of black coaches in the ACC. And that's good. It's a meritocracy, and we're not talking as much about it. So when the graphic reads, we'll show it to you one more time, but when the graphic reads ACC head coaches who happen to be black, if Corey Alexander comes on air and says, we worded the graphic this way because I see these men as basketball coaches at ACC institutions, and I don't see them necessarily as black coaches, and the ACC has done a good job of doing that throughout the years. Here's their track record. Here's where they've been progressive in a number of areas with hiring coaches, all of those things, right? I thought their discussion was good. I thought the explanation of that graphic was not good. Now, again, I'm guessing as to what happened. I think Corey Alexander or someone on the broadcast said, this is how you should label it. If that's just a random labeling job by someone in the graphics department, that's very weird. It also felt That makes no sense, but when I hear their their discussion, Hutton, I feel like it came from either Corey or Dave. And they didn't quickly explain what the meaning was behind the graph. But I, they also did this right after they pointed out that Hubert Davis is the head coach. Yeah. So they, it came right after they, they showed both coaches as they were getting the game underway. Very early in the broadcast. like Almost immediate. So mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking to myself... It was, uh, it was queued up, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's, but that, and that, to that's me, a production that, that makes point, it, to, your, to what you're saying. Yeah, but who came up with the idea? I don't know. Well, it's a production point, but if it's Corey Alexander that came up with the idea and said, label it this way because this is going to trigger me into a conversation about not looking at the race of the coach as much as what their merit is and what they're doing, and I'll explain it when you put it on the screen. They get into a decent discussion about it, but if Corey Alexander comes on camera and immediately says, you're going to see the wording of this as ACC head coaches who happen to be black. And what we mean by that is this. Boom. Explanation. And talking about the history of the conference and everything else, no one's talking about it. Awful announcing's not picking it up. Outkick's not picking it up. Right. If they do that, when there's no explanation, then it's odd. Because I don't even know. Hutton, usually you can look at something and say, oh, they're trying to be woke. Or, oh, they're trying to be provocative. Or, oh, they're trying to incite this group or that. I can understand the motivation of most every graphic or discussion I see. I don't even know the damn motivation of why someone would put that up there. It's so weird. And oddly placed and oddly worded. Unless you listen to Corey Alexander talk about it. And that was kind of the direction he was going, but he didn't properly say it when the graphic was up. To where he could have explained the, it. The better. quote that Alexander used was the best thing about the entire thing, in my opinion, was the fact that you, you didn't even recognize the fact that it was two black coaches until I mentioned it to you. This was uh, yes. speaking to Dave O'Brien about a previous game that they had called Correct. earlier in the year. And, and that was the broader point that he could have made right off the bat well, and explained the wording behind the graphic, for, and we're not talking about well, it. Well, if that's if that's the intent of the of what we saw, then I'm glad we're leaning towards this point of view instead of me automatically thinking it's Black History Month, so ESPN is forcing this somehow. Yeah. After they show Hubert Davis, that that's the that's the assumption I have based on the fact that ESPN continues to push this. When even Dave O'Brien is admitting, I I didn't even think about the fact that coaches uh, a, a minority coach is coaching in a game, and and we have said this countless times on Hot Mike and, and previous shows, Chad. It, this is not something we notice. And that's a good thing. Yeah. We only notice well, look, it when I think, it's, it, I think when it's Hutton, forced. Two and three things can be true at once. It's, it's not, it does not have to be black and white. You know, no pun intended with what we're discussing. Right, right. 
It doesn't have to be this or that. It can be a number of factors that goes into this. Here are the three things I think that are true. I think an ESPN person said, we got to do something for Black History Month. What do you want to do? And Hubert Davis is black, so here's what we're going to do. We've got a graphic we're going to show. You guys can talk about it. I I think also Corey Alexander could have said, great, or Dave O'Brien. Let's talk about how we don't even care or notice it, and then we can go into the history of the ACC. Okay, fine. Do that. Then someone in the graphics department decided to label the graphic ACC head coaches who happen to be black. And then they did a poor job explaining it off the top when that graphic appears. And what's going to happen in today's world? We're going to screenshot that graphic because it looks really dumb. You know, no context college basketball is going to post it all over Twitter. And it's going to make no sense because it wasn't properly explained by the broadcast team. I think there are a number of failures here. I think the overall intent of Dave O'Brien and Corey Alexander was good. Their discussion was good, and I agree with everything they were saying, and I take no issue with that. Do I also think that someone at ESPN said, guys, we've got, uh, at this day, we got five days left of Black History Month. we got to hit this graphic about all the blackhead coaches in the ACC, and now there's never been more than right now. Yeah, I think someone did that. And on, on and on social they were crushed because And was, I don't I don't think it was get the screenshot. Based on their conversation, I don't think it was Dave O'Brien or Corey Alexander that suggested that. Based on what they had to actually say about it, right? But, yes. And so, I, to me it's just them discussing that we've had other we've had other games where this wasn't a conversation. Again, everyone's got to function together as a team. It takes everybody to pull it off and be coherent and and make a point. Yeah about something without confusing people and also not leaving yourself hanging out to dry where you got a stupid graphic up that everybody's going to talk about with no good explanation as to what the intent behind the graphic was to begin with. Chad, there just happened to be two words that have been mentioned in college basketball and college athletics that you thought would never be mentioned again. You haven't heard in quite some time. Academic issues. (laughs) The two words. (laughs) NIL, pay for play, NCAA versus the states of Tennessee and Virginia, which we'll talk about a little bit more soon. Um, Coaches not being happy. There are so many issues plaguing major college sports that when I saw a headline in the Friday news dump, Friday evening, of Memphis basketball, of all programs, looking into academic issues surrounding Malcolm Dandridge, I mean, it was like I put a pencil into a light socket. My my hair raised. I was shocked. Could not believe it. I didn't know that we looked at those things anymore. I I honestly didn't. Every issue has been about how much can a college player at a major program make? How much should they be able to make? Are they going to hit the transfer portal? Can you keep them happy at a program? I didn't even know these kids still went to school, quite frankly. We haven't talked about that in ages. We haven't. When was the last time we talked about a player in a bowl game being academically eligible for the bowl game or a college football playoff? Boy, the semester's ending. Uh, Timmy's really got to do a good job on his finals or he's not going to be able to play in the Citrus Bowl. The only time we've mentioned academics was for James Madison, who would not be eligible even if it came down to APR. Because the APR. For a team that was 5-7. and Look, I, I think there's a lot, them, of, a lot of levels of college yeah. sports where getting a degree and, and being, you know, ha- keeping up with your grades, all those things matter. I'm going to tell you where it's never mattered. Memphis basketball. Uh, I, I, it's never mattered. I, I, I'm sorry if this offends some, but this is not some beacon 
of academic integrity over the years. I, I would honestly be impressed if any members of the Memphis basketball team knew where campus was at the University of Memphis, much less be academically eligible. And also, I'm going to be the first to raise my hand and say, I don't care, honestly. If you get a, sco- a scholarship to a school and you don't want to utilize that to get a degree or go to class, that's on the head coach. That's on the administration. They can oversee those things. I truly don't really care about it. You know who else doesn't care? Anybody in the media, the NCAA, because they're too concerned with trying to punish Tennessee over violating a rule that didn't really exist. It was just more of a guideline and getting their ass beat in court by a judge. They're more concerned with that than whether or not the power forward for the star basket or the, the star power forward for the basketball team is going to class or not. Academic issues. Who knew this was still a thing? I was shocked to read this, Hutton. I didn't know we were still concerned about that in college sports. I, only, I truly was. The only college time sports as we know it is dead. Yeah. There's a new era now. Whatever you thought of college sports, of kids being student athletes, that exists in a lot of places. But most of them that play at the highest level and make a ton of money, it doesn't matter. It, is only it does not matter. It only matters for the excuse. The excuse of we can't expand the college football playoff because it's going to run up against uh, the study habits of what we're getting ready to do for finals before the Christmas break. Or it's going to you know, run over into the, the time that we're trying to get kids back on campus to start their classes. Guess what happened? More of the same. What they want in terms of the money and the monetary value of what the college football playoff means, they, you, the votes go that way. The other, the other time it's mentioned is for universities like Vanderbilt who use it as a crutch that they can't win or recruit at a high level. Now, the academics at Vanderbilt are fantastic. I'm not saying that that's just the excuse. It is for the coaches who are not having success. When they take the gig and they lean back on the fact that, well, we, we should have a better record. Yes, we want to compete. We want to win. But that's always been the crutch that they lean back on, despite what we've seen at Duke. And despite what we've seen Wake Forest do with Tim Duncan, for instance. Um, we'll get to more of Wake Forest in a moment. Chad, it's, it, the, it's the only time we hear it's, it, and it's, it's just for the excuse of we can't expand because we're about the student-athlete. Or, well, scholarships should mean more than these athletes wanting to get paid. They've been receiving that, and they still will. But it's not used as something that is of the utmost importance. If it was, then what they have used in the past of, well, these, they need to get back on campus at some point, or... Man, look at what some of the, 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 AC, the, the decision of some of these schools, like what, Cal, for instance, coast-to-coast travel, you know, for the new conference. That was used as the excuse, and then it doesn't matter. They're still going to make a ton of road trips, and so will USC and UCLA, so will Washington and Oregon, because of the almighty sports element and what that means for the university monetarily. Well, in co- major college sports has gone from an avenue for a lot of kids who otherwise uh, could not maybe get a scholarship to college or afford college to get to college and get a degree. And it was a great thing for a lot of people. It's, it's gone from that to me to, okay, now here's my route not to make a degree or earn a degree from a college, 
it, how much money can I make in the short yep. time I have in major college sports? And how well, much can I bank doing that? And then do I have a future in pro sports? And far less about am I going to de- get a degree? You know, what's my GPA? What's my major going to be? All of those things. And I also think that the machine that is major college sports has just become so good at churning out whatever they need to for players to be eligible, to not be an issue, to all those things, class schedule, everything, that it's just it's remarkably easy now uh, when it comes from a, a school perspective. Again, this is not a blanket truth or universal. Someone's going to tweet me and say, oh, well, what about this kid? And what about this kid? Of course, there are exceptions. And of course, there are programs that have a lot of guys who are w- very much into their academics and getting multiple yes. degrees and all those things. That certainly exists. And that's great. My, my point is, broad strokes, academics don't matter in every discussion we have about major college football and major college basketball. It's all about what can the players make, what should they make, what can the NCAA do, what can they not do. And living in this state, I've never seen Memphis basketball or Memphis State basketball in the past be some bastion of academic excellence with a bunch of kids deciding to go play there, deciding to go play for Penny Hardaway for academic reasons. They're going there to play in a basketball city for a basketball school and hopefully win a lot and win some NCAA tournament games and play for a basketball legend in Penny Hardaway. And get to the league. And this is why I was shocked to see the headline that Memphis was self-imposing academic issues and suspensions on Malcolm Dandridge, who, by the way, is from Memphis East High School yes. and played high school is ball he the last for Penny one Hardaway. Remaining from that, from he that is. Crop? He came in in 2019, and he's still around. He's in his fifth and final year. The other thing, Chad, is the, the academic element of if you're the one and done, right? No one mentions this as a part of the uh, – no issue with the one and done because they're not going to class spring semester. They don't even have to go to class fall, you know, because they're going to be playing in both, and there's no reason to want to come back to the roster if you think you're done. Yeah. But they're enrolled, and that's never been an issue for college or the NBA. Well, and just it, it's amazing to me how all of a sudden, you know, that, that was an issue immediately with, with Calipari. Guys that were going to be one and done, okay, we got to keep them in school so we don't take the APR hit. Well, now guys are coming back more and more often. Now they are, yes. Right. Duke's probably the bad example academically, but Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor could have gone and been first-rounders likely. They come back. They're making money in NIL. But there's no discussion about, oh, well, did these guys, are they academically eligible to come back, even if they're making a ton of money in right. NIL to come back? I haven't Chad, I've not heard a single question about academic issues in, in two years? Think about... Three years since NIL became a thing? You're right. Think, think about our conversation with Orlando Brown Jr. and why he ended up at Oklahoma instead of Tennessee. Yeah. Because he didn't Tennessee give had, a bleep about school in high school they, after his dad died. Yeah, and he had plenty of issues to have poor grades and poor test results. And based on his GPA and his enrollment status, no one really asked the question until after he was headed to play for Tennessee. And then, then there was an issue, and there was still a university on the same, same plane with the Vols that absolutely said, yeah, come o- on. Oklahoma said, no problems here. And you followed up with, how did Oklahoma? He just kind of laughed it off. Well, I have no idea. I guess Oklahoma and, decided it was okay. And I would, I would say he's also one of the uh, exceptions we're talking about. 
where I, you do make an exception for those things. Yeah, I mean, I just don't... But this is, you're right. No one's really talking about it because it's not. it was never important. I it was just used as a talking point that was hollow. It's not mandatory, right? There, there are programs and coaches like, hey, you got to go to class. You got to sit in the first three rows. You got to get your degree. You got to do this and that. that. That does still exist, but it's so much smaller now. And it's the, the academic side of it to me is just no longer mandatory. I mean, the old adage that these kids didn't come here to play school is true. I mean, they are, at, for all intents and purposes, they are adjunct adjacent employees of the university to go win in football or basketball when you're talking about the major conference teams that are competing at the highest level. And we're not asking a ton of questions about how their APR is or how they're doing in school or any of that. And I, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Is, I'm not going to applaud that. I'm just telling you the reality of it. How often do you hear about academics anymore with major college sports programs? So, if you don't, can I also just try to read between the lines? What did Penny say about this? And all he said was, we'll find out as soon as you guys do, which is false. And if we go rewind to last week, we were discussing Penny Hardaway and what he was saying about his team, about how it's just been an about face and a 180 from the team that was good to the team that's been bad and what's going on behind the scenes there. Again, this is peculiar. Number one, Chad, because we don't hear it ever. And number two, because it's Memphis, and Penny normally gets his way, and this is someone that he's coached since high school. Let me give you my little conspiracy theory on all this, that the university is doing this as a way to get out of the Penny Hardaway contract and to fire him because they are under probation for playing James Wiseman when he was ineligible. They got a year left in that probation. So they could turn this over and say, we've been playing a guy who's academically ineligible and the NCAA actually still might have some teeth when it comes to things like this because they were already under probation. And this may give Memphis the excuse and the out they need to get rid of a Memphis legend in Penny Hardaway. Maybe. That, that, was, that was not my first thought, but my second or third thought was, boy, oh boy, if it's actually University of Memphis who suddenly cares about academics and their athletic programs – I think maybe Penny Hardaway's in trouble. Or it's just a blatant... Then they go out and beat FAU well, see, yesterday. It, instead of poor grades, it could be a blatant uh, cheating deal as well. Could be. You know, where it's just too obvious that's happening on campus. Like, it, it doesn't have to be just results on a piece of paper here. Chad, um, the, another thing that we don't hear much, we hear it a ton in, in college football, but it doesn't seem to be that important across the rest of the athletic programs from every, all, every talking head out there. Anytime someone is storming the field in college football now, all you hear is the chatter of, well, if, if you're, the, home, if you're the, the road team, home team, whatever, and it's like, ah, oh, well, if you're the road team winning, it's worth 250 grand or whatever the fine is for storming the field. And if you're the home team, you're thinking, where, where are these rules? Where, I thought we banned this. Yeah. It happens over the weekend for Duke as they lose and Wake Forest celebrates. The joy and the pageantry of college basketball, college football, college athletics, storming the court, storming the field. And unfortunately, in the midst of this, Kyle Filipowski gets hurt. And there is a, law, a mass of humanity on the court as they win 83-79, Wake does. And immediately, the reaction is, we've got to ban this. We have to ban court storming in college basketball because there is no rule or a, a fine in place for, for this 
currently in the ACC. In the ACC. Right. So the SEC. The, the in, SEC it, is a hundred thousand dollars for a first offense. Two fifty for the next. Two fifty, and just case in point, Tennessee and Alabama, the Vols beat the Tide, and they paid a hundred thousand dollars, and or maybe what, more. It was more. And what did uh, the Chancellor say at the time? Or the President? Excuse me. Totally worth it because it is. It's it's fun because by and large you don't see things like this. I didn't initially see this play out and think it was an intentional, an intentional issue. Uh, you did have the Caitlin Clark thing from a couple of weeks ago. Now you have this. And unfortunately, Filipowski gets hurt. I'm, I see this, Chad, and I think, does there need to be a penalty? Sure. Is, is there anything you can do to stop this? If I'm in the crowd and I'm a college student and I'm thinking, man, our university is about to get fined $100,000. I'm not going to do this. Well, the only thing, the no. only way to stop it, or, or re- I mean, if you really wanted to say this is banned, is if so many people storm the court or the field, the game is forfeited. You were going to cost your team the game. That's the we, will give, we will give the game to Duke but, or whoever. If you do it, that's the one thing that would probably stop the fans. There's still maybe some drunken idiot that does it, but I think most fans would say, yeah, I'm not going to cost my team the game. Now, in college football, it's extremely detrimental. Yeah. Um, because well, I mean, you, to Wake Forest, it would have been – I mean, they're a bubble team. Well, sure. That, uh, imagine that you game still, going against them. Then now they're in the NIT, not the NCAA tournament. But at what point do you say, okay, this is officially storming the court? Is it a certain percentage of – Yeah, it say, would have to be a certain amount but of people. But that's, that's why – and if an incident still happens, you still can't stop this where a student runs into a player. Now, do I think something should be done? I, I mean, I'm not against what they're saying – I just don't see any way you can stop this from happening, given the status of certain programs. And this is only going to occur for certain programs, or should occur for certain programs. And Duke's one of those brands. They are one of those, and they're going to be on the top of the mountain. Because it's yeah, Duke and Kentucky has this happen more often than other programs. Or, but, but, you know, for uh, obvious if reasons. it happens against North Carolina, North Carolina beating Duke in uh, Coach K's final game. You know, like that you're doing, you're not stopping that with guys making $17 an hour standing at the corner yeah. of the corridor trying to keep some drunk from running down. And Unfortunately going to the for Coach room. K, that game happened at Cameron Indoor. Right. So there was no court well, that's, Yeah, that's right. But you, North see, Carolina won. you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's, Look, I, I think it's that something it's, that you can't I, control I, even if you want to. Yeah. I, I, it's dangerous. It, it, let me start here. It's more dangerous on a basketball court, it's a tighter space, it's a hard yes. surface. There are harder surface right next to it. There are chairs. There are metal benches. There, are, depending on the venue, there's a lot of things where it is more dangerous in basketball, and you're so much more confined and in a tight spot. You're in a, you're in a phone booth yeah. compared to a football you field. You are. I think mostly football field stormings. I mean, I was down the field when A and M stormed the field. I never felt in danger when A and M beat Alabama a couple years ago, and, and never felt in danger. In Knoxville, it happens, and apparently <laughs> Jermaine Burton felt in danger of a you know 120 pound co-ed and and slapped her as she was yeah. walking off the field, and then that that prompts Nick Saban to go on a big diatribe about how we got to ban field storming and all of this. I, I am somewhat sympathetic that if you are a coach or you are a player, this sucks. Yes, to be in the middle of it, and when you see something like that happen, I do not blame John Shire for going ballistic and going to protect his guy, and the other players doing that, all those things. Yes. I'm sympathetic to that. Same. I also, if Kyle Filipowski does not play in the next game, 
I'm going to be shocked. I, I think we got a little bit of drama going so, on here with the fall, with his arm extension, with everything else. And I think it's very convenient to talk about a star player being injured in this melee. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm dead wrong if he sits out this next game or he looks like he's not even close to 100% in this game. My guess is Kyle Filipowski is going to play the next game and he's going to look 100% because I really don't think he's truly injured based on this. Now, if you're John Shire or any other coach that wants this out of the game and you want a way to make it out of the game, your star player gets injured like this in this incident and people are going to get tougher about it. They're going to get more serious about it. And it, it, Do I it, think he's actually it hurt? No. It benefits Duke because it's going to happen to Duke more often. Now, the, the taunting, quote-unquote, aspect of this has also been pointed out, that the, they believe, and, and Filipowski does too, that it was, uh, there was intent and there was taunting. Check out, so keep, keep in mind, you want to watch the fan as the, the knees hit or whatever here. And he turns around on, his, on the way he, he, he's running by him. We don't know what he says. But he turns around and just way by him, and then by that time, the other students or whoever is running behind this this person that collides, right there with the white hat. They then can here's see. Here's the slow mo. Here's the slow mo. He sees him. Filipowski hits the first guy. So let's now, be clear on that. Now watch. Now as it, others begin to shove him, as they see the Duke player in front, the guy behind him shoves him. Yes. So I'm thinking, taunting. I don't see it. I don't see it. But as it, then you have the, the trainer or one of the staff members come in and grab him. I, I'm sympathetic to the fact that it's going to happen to players of certain programs. And, and we see, and I said this last week, the fights that we had. Like, um, who was it? It was Texas A&M Southern, Texas Southern A&M or something? Uh, it was Texas A&M Corpus Christi and uh, Incarnate Word. Okay. Or Commerce. Texas A&M Commerce. Yeah, Commerce. And I... Uh, I'm, you know, you have a fight in the handshake line. And I said, I'm, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often because in the heat of the moment, you have to keep your cool, even if you don't really respect whoever well, you're about to. Filipowski, but, but like, this, he doesn't do anything bad. No, but I'm thinking just in out general. The court, but he does give a forearm shiver trying to get the guy who's sprinting in front of him away right. from him. He's not trying to hurt him. He's trying to get him out of the way. I there have, is a kid that comes behind him and yells something at him from behind, and he kind of pushes him in the back. And that's when all hell break lo- breaks loose because right. Filipowski starts to fall. I don't – again, is he being dramatic with the fall? Is he not? I think he's being a little dramatic. He starts to fall. Guys are running around him. That's when Shire comes over to his right. defense. The other bench player comes over to his defense. They're going crazy. I would be pissed if I were the Duke team and I'm Filipowski. I, this is all understandable. Do I believe this was some crime that happened – where no, he no. was mangled in this process and he's injured and he's going to miss the next game. If he misses the next game, I will apologize for saying this, but I don't think he's going to miss the next there, game. I think he's fine. Element, there's an element to this, though, where I'm surprised more doesn't happen in this regard. How often? There's Actually, always, I won't apologize. There's, go ahead. There's always Never one apologize. player. There's always a player or two in, in, at any level, of football, basketball, whatever. They turn around and they will – Talk crap to the students who are talking junk to them, even in warm-ups, right? Yeah. And if you're storming the court, who knows what fan is going to be running at who, whoever in that moment if they're on the court at the end of a game that's 83-79. I'm surprised more doesn't happen for the, from the players' perspective where you're, you're expected to keep your cool and just get off the floor. 
instead of respond in any way to any aspect that has been playing out leading up to that specific moment because you're only going to be judged on that moment. And that goes for any player, coach, assistant, whatever, sideline reporter um, that you may be chirping to from the stands. I, I, it, it hasn't happened, and I don't want it to. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened to that level one time in any incident that we've seen here. If you were one of these dudes in the black and gold striped overalls that stormed the court for Wake Forest, looking at these guys physically, and you go up to Kyle Filipowski or some Duke basketball player and yell something in their face, you are a moron. This isn't just for that, doing though. that. And if something happens after that, then we're going to have a bigger discussion because if someone is in the right state of mind and they rear back and pop one of these students in the face and knock them out cold and then other guys jump in, it's going to be a huge national issue. This is a big story because of what John Shire said afterward, and now it sparked the debate about whether or not we should ban court storming. The well, only way to your first point, Hutton, about banning court right. storming is to tell everyone in the arena, if you step foot on the court to celebrate, you are going to forfeit this game for Wake Forest or forfeit this game for the home team. That's the only way to cut it out. That's awfully punitive. And if I'm a player on Wake Forest team and you won that game outright fair and square, and to think that that could happen because 40 drunk frat kids decide to take the court, let's say, right, and that's going to cost them the game and possibly the NCAA tournament, that's a lot. But think about but it. But if you're the, serious about it and you want to stop it, that's what you got to do. From the ACC's perspective. They need to have a fine for it at the very least. At, at that's very ridiculous. Least. But the ACC's perspective, do they want to have that chance of suffering a, a loss to a program that's on the bubble? Because uh, look at how many teams they're going to get in this year. But you, I, you see what I'm saying? I, no, of course they don't. But my point and is if, putting it on if the you're frats. truly serious about it, if you're going to listen to John Shire, and he's like, I am concerned with the safety of my team and my guys. I'm concerned about my guys. And he rightfully so. That should be his concern. If you're serious about it, then that's what you got to do. And the ACC is not going to do that. But that if that's what the coaches want, they're supposed to listen to their coaches and administration. So show the balls to do it and say, Wake Forest, it's, from here on out, you do it again, you forfeit the game, Duke wins. I just think it's uh, – we're going to get to the responses here. How do you right handle that with the NCAA selection committee, by the way? They saw the game, right? I mean, like that just goes in the Duke uh, net ranking for the win on the road at Wake Forest. They just treat it. And you just act like, well, okay, now it's a loss for they, Wake Forest. Is it a one-point loss? They lose one to nothing by forfeit? How does that go to their metrics? Does the game go away? Do we do Ken Palm adjusted offense and defense for the game? What would have or happened, does all that get erased too? What would have happened if Tony Petiti suspended Harbaugh for one more game than what he did? I got and so many questions about 10. this. Would the college football playoff committee still let them in Yeah, there's, and have them ranked? There's no fine yes. for a school that's going to stop uh, kids from being kids and storm the court. No. But if you make a bunch of announcements about you're going to forfeit the game but, and everyone knows it, that would probably stop it. You've got your coach who has a $46 million buyout in football, but you're going to be, your, your university's going to be fined 250 They don't care. That's Nor the should money. they for that, for that amount. And I'll, 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 two, I'll, I'll two also say... Two students are worth 250 to them. If you really want to... I mean, this is not... We don't need a DNA sample to get to the bottom of this. Like, they're, they're on camera. Wake Forest knows by their student pass that got them in the game. Right. You can screenshot the kids that, uh, that hit Filipowski or the guy who yells something at them. And you can discipline them if you want. This is this is not going to be as difficult as the Central Michigan investigation into who gave Connor Stallions the we're pass. We're still waiting. We still don't have an answer to February that. February 26th, we're still waiting. This is not that hard to figure out if you really want to do something. Right. 
Uh, well, John Shire. But said, do you think Kyle Filipowski is going to miss the next game with no, an injury? I, when I saw this, I thought, you know how you like, you can, uh, you, you've done this if you play basketball. You can hit your knee on someone else's knee, and it goes numb. Yeah. Uh, and you have that tingle, tingly feeling all up and down your leg. And it is, I mean, it, it's a weird, it hurts, but it doesn't really hurt. It's just a weird, like, you can't, it's a sensation where you can't walk on it. It's like hitting your funny bone, but yeah, your knee. But it lasts longer. Yeah. That's what I thought when I first saw it on the first replay. Uh, here's John Shire reacting to it. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's, I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today. And, and hats off to them. But you look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court. You know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're, they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Um, it's part of it. I don't want this to take away at all from Wake. They earned it. They deserve the win. Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? So I'll answer any questions. But for me, that's hats off to them. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. Uh, but uh, that needs to stop. So they, he mentioned whenever he played, there were player, students and whoever else running onto the court with 10 seconds left. Coach K couldn't even get a, 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 a fine put out there on behalf of that. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I, everything, he handled himself very well. Yeah. I thought Shire was great. In that whole address, I thought he was great about not taking away from Wake Forest and doubled and, down on that. He's not making excuses. Um, that was as good of an argument against court storming as I've ever heard any one coach make. So that was very well said and very well done by him. And is that a program where I, it's going to happen to him again? I just think no league wants to do the one necessary thing to make this no longer a thing, and that is immediate forfeit for the home team if there is multiple people storming the court or storming the football field to celebrate. I, I just don't think they're going to go to that. And I, I don't think you could get rid of it unless you do that. That's the, the only that's way. That's the only way. You can talk all you want about that. Uh, here's Filipowski uh, discussing what happened to him. He's uh, post-game. You know, I've, I felt a bunch of hits on my body. I, you know, I just, this one was the worst of them. Um, you know, so it's just, like I said, it's just really ridiculous of, of, of how, you know, that situation is handled. Did you feel like any of it was, was on purpose or was it incidental? I mean, if, punch, did you feel I've like already it? heard that there's some videos of, of, you know, getting punched in the back. And um, so I absolutely feel like it was personal, um, um, you know, intentional for sure. You know, like I said, was, there's there's no reason where they see a big guy like me trying to work my way up the court and they, they can't just work around me. You know, there's no excuse for that. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the forearm to his back is intentional. Uh, how to work around him. I mean, <laughs> if you're looking straight ahead to the pile that's at uh, midcourt or at the other end of the floor and you're sprinting like these guys are, 
and they the entire it looks like the you know the Battle of the Bastards yeah. on Game of Thrones. <laughs> Taking uh, on all comers. Yes. He um Shire said he sprained his ankle. So he gave a you know, that was the re- that's the injury that he gave. I, I I didn't see that on it. Big Red uh sends in on Twitter to the show, watching online, outkick.com slash watch is where he can watch us. The way to do it is start finding these schools millions of dollars and hire extra security. When Duke comes to town, it always increases attendance. Can't make the home team forfeit because what would stop Duke fans from rushing the court at Wake Forest in gear and making Duke win versus Duke losing? Well, the, the whole security thing is a, is a difficult point uh, to make because uh, they out, they're, they're outsourcing that security crew, and it's on, the, it's on that company to pay their employees, and they're getting, I mean, a McDonald's worker is making more. I mean, they I, are. I think. And it, a lot of times they're doing it through a fraternity, raising money, and anything yeah. that they earn goes back to their philanthropy. Well, and then look, if you, if, if what he's saying is we need a, all the money in college sports, then hire better security and, and pay more for it. And I, wh- whatever. It's going to break the NCAA, Chad. To think that, you know, yeah, it's going to break Wake Forest, apparently. <laughs> to think that there's going to be Duke students or fans infiltrating arenas right. in opposing teams' gear simply to be on a mission to storm the court if Duke loses, to forfeit the game in favor of Duke. There's so many ways to find out that, that those are not Wake Forest fans doing it. If eight guys did that, uh, you could go to their social media. You could look at their ID. You could find out. Uh, no, that's let's not get that in depth with it. That's not going to be a thing ever. Chad, I'm with you on it. Coming up, Trey Wallace, we'll have him weigh in. Uh, also, there's a a former athletic director for Tennessee who weighed in. He's now the AD at Wake Forest. And uh, there's one guy, really, that I wouldn't want to see after a, a, a big incident on campus involving athletics or in a coaching search, and it's John Curry. And he, he's weighing in on this as well. We'll discuss that. Plus, pretty big ruling on Friday. Pretty big. I haven't been able to react to it. I want to get to that with, with Trey as well. He's got a big point, a big takeaway from all of it on uh, what doesn't look great for the NCAA moving forward. That's next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Outkick.com is where you can find us each day. You just go to the Watch tab. Very simple. Outkick.com slash watch. You can bookmark that. Or just type in Outkick. You'll see it right at the top of the page, the Watch tab. And anything live streams right there. You hit the play button. Or you can watch more on demand. Full shows available at the bottom of the screen there. Trey Wallace. Trey Wallace Podcast. You can find it at Outkick.com. It is great uh, coverage of college athletics. He joins us now, Trey. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. I was kind of jealous of you, Hut. I saw these, these pictures of yeah. you just walking down the beach and the gorgeous sunset. I was like, dang it. Where's hot dad. I need you, to you thought to yourself. Oh, have I missed the spring meetings? Is what, yeah. Yeah, I was was, like, what time is it? Same backdrop for Trey come spring meeting time. It's like, dang it. I got so busy. I forgot spring meetings. It's enough. We Glad saw, to have you back. We saw you on the screen uh, during our last uh, last portion of the discussion there, and I mentioned John Curry, the AD for Wake Forest, who, uh, in the court storming uh, issues, released a statement saying that something must be done uh, for court storming. Uh, he's just following the the group think, but in large part, something can be done. The ACC hasn't done that. What do you make of all of this, and uh, what's your best John Curry story? 
Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, first off, probably being able to pin him down in the California area, interviewing uh, Mike Leach, Mike Leach. On Park Mitch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean the, the university couldn't find him. They were no, telling the university. Bring back yeah, our plane. Right. University couldn't find him after he, uh, he met with Dave Duran uh, in Raleigh and then caught a flight across the country. He's like, oh, I've, had my, I've had my phone off, my Wi-Fi. I really couldn't talk to anybody, which was perfect excuse. And then they so brought him as, home. As they end up with Jeremy Pruitt and prior to hiring Philip Fulber, they, John Curry is just on this mission. And everywhere he went, he was being turned down. And the one thing you never see is a, anyone turning down a university. Uh, in a coaching search, it's, they always got their guy, and unfortunately for John Curry, anywhere that plane stopped, very public, a coach was saying no. Should and not have gone to Stillwater. He, he made forget, that mistake he met Mike multiple Leach, times. Mike Leach in like a park or something, didn't? No, he? Mike Leach was yeah. ready to take the job. I know, I know. He and was they, the one that wanted but, it. But you had so many, so many yeah. stories, and they didn't know where he was. But he met, he met Mike Leach on like a park bench or something. Yeah, it was, a, it was something. Uh, it was somewhere around outside, like Twitter headquarters or something like that. Leach <laughs> was out there for some kind of event, and they literally met on a park bench. And then go to the second forget, tree, you take a left, and then up by a water right. fountain. Chad, that's where I'll meet you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be carrying the a contract. Is a, the contract's <laughs> underneath the bench? I'll have, have my offensive playbook it. with me. You can look <laughs> at it, and you see that it's very thin. But we get a lot of things done in that playbook. Uh, yeah. And uh, it seems out to where he is at now, uh, which was RIP Mike know? Leach, by the way. What a legend yes. that guy was. Yeah. And, uh, what, how much fun that would have been to watch him at a job like Tennessee is what I keep thinking about the alternate history of John Curry not going AWOL and actually hiring Mike Leach in the beginning and what Mike Leach in Knoxville would have looked like yep. coaching a program yes. like that would have been pretty cool to see. Yes. Would have, it had been even better if he got him to sign the MOU while he was out in California, like he tried to do with Shiano, mm-hmm. you know, when they were up in, in Columbus. So, so many stories. And then he, you know, I, 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 you know, I see what he's doing at Wake Forest and congrats to what he's doing at Wake Forest. I think he hired a good basketball coach and, and Steve Forrest, but the, the nonsense over the weekend with with the court storming, you're, you're, this is not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like the, this is, you know, you, you're going to try to tell college football fans not to storm the field. I mean, I, I, I one of the best scenes in, in college football in the last five years was when Tennessee stormed the field against Alabama and CBS was able to just pan out and the fireworks going crazy around the stadium. And that the fans is the are best the sports moment of everyone on that field's life. Yeah, absolutely. Right it, absolutely. And and you can't look the, 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 the basketball thing is kind of different. Like they let those kids rush onto the court that quick. I, I have to give a quick shout out to John Calipari. He does it best when he knows he's about to lose and they're down. Let's just say eight, you know, with 20 seconds to go. And he knows mm-hmm. it. So he sends his kids to the locker room. Like yeah. he gets them out there, takes them out the court, gets them into the locker room. Point. He knows what's coming. Um, I think Calipari does it really well. This game was it's close, hard. though. Right. So it's hard to do when it comes down to the end. But I, look, if you do set up you know, a barrier of security guards at a basketball game, that's a hell of a lot different than doing it at a football game. You can block off the student section where nobody you know, can rush the court. You know, just, just have a couple cops there with pistols and, and some security guard members dressed in their yellow garb that... Who knows how that goes know, either. Don't, don't want to get ran over for $8 an hour. Um, but I, I, I do think that, um, they'll, they'll have some conversations. The ACC doesn't find schools like the SEC does, um, which it doesn't stop 
SEC fans from doing it. I think it's a badge of honor uh, when an SEC school has to pay a hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars for rushing right. the court. But the ACC, the ACC has not even gone that far to even set up a fine parameter. So it, these discussions, man, I, I you know at first, and I'm not taking away from young man getting hurt at Duke, but at first it was his ankle, then it was his knee, and then he mm-hmm. came out and said it was an intentional act by the student. It's like, come on, man, you can you can only bend this so far before you got to figure out what the actual truth is. So Trey. When Judge Clifton Corker, who still sounds like a made-up guy to me, Judge Clifton Corker comes down with his ruling, we know that the NCAA is going to halt all NIL investigations, ruling, everything on that. Does this stop everything for the NCAA? Do you think that they're now in a state of panic and just we have to beg Congress to pass laws and we probably need to stop our investigative wing of our agency right now? and just worry about managing the NCAA tournament coming up and not worry about anything else? You know, Chad, I don't think it stops them from an enforcement standpoint. I think they're going to still go after some schools, but it's not going to be able to be NIL related. I mean, if it's NIL related, they're going to get shot down um, when it comes to trying to punish an institution. Um, I, I think that when it comes to other infractions, absolutely. I think the the NCAA will still be around. They'll still try to throw the weight, and and I, and I don't think they're technically going away. But what I wrote about, you know, this on Saturday was the NCAA is dead when it comes to just straight up enforcement. Here's the problem. You know, you have a let's just say you have a player that enters the transfer portal. Remember what happened in the past? A player would enter the transfer portal. The NCAA would deny him. That player would sue. All of a sudden, the NCAA says, yeah, okay, you can go. Um, I, I think when it comes to trying to enforce the rules that are set forth, there was a big thing that stood out to me in, in Friday's ruling from, from Judge Corker. Pretty much saying, and, and you guys just had it up on the screen, but effective immediately, the NCAA is restrained and enjoined from enforcing the rules of restitution as applied to the foregoing uh, NIL activities blah, 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 going forward. Pretty much what that's saying is even if the NCAA wins a court case against Tennessee and Virginia down the road, you can't go back and punish them for anything that they do in the meantime. So it, it, it's more or less saying the NCAA, your, your luck is run out here. Okay. There's, there's nothing you can do when it comes to penalizing these schools for NIL activities. And that's even going back. And there are some schools right now, that, that were going to be released, I think, in probably the next month that are breathing a big sigh of relief to know that, okay, they really can't come after us for NIL activities um, because there were some schools, and we talked about it. Um, you know, you look at Florida. Florida's breathing a big sigh of relief right now because now they can potentially put the Jaden Rashada incident behind them. Now, I think the NCAA has a little bit more on Florida uh, when it comes to not even NIL, maybe when it comes to coaches or administrators knowing about certain things uh, that went down with Jaden Rashada. I think that's why that one kind of separates. But like the the, the Tennessee ordeal, okay, the NCAA is not – I still think the NCAA, there is a chance. I think there is a chance the NCAA can come out and still present Tennessee a notice of allegations. Um, but I don't think it's going to involve anything big when it comes to NIL or – you know, everybody that wanted to jump on Tennessee's case over the last month, well, you, yeah, Nico on a private jet. Well, that's the only damn thing that I heard. 
you know, during that time, during that whole report, it's like, okay, that's, that's what you're going off of. So the NCAA is going to take a step back from that part. Um, but I do think they're going to, there's a lot of infractions out there, guys, that the NCAA can try to enforce, even, you know, the situation going on in Memphis right now, Yep. uh, but there's some kind of academic scandal going on where, where one of their players had to sit out a lot of rumors out there. That's what the NCAA can handle now, not, not payment for players and whatnot. Trey, a uh, uh, final thing about two minutes here. Uh, what, how much yep. do you think about the back and forth spat between Saban and, and Jimbo? from what yeah. before the season in 2022 isn't it crazy yeah i i i, I wrote about that today and, and it you know it, it kind of hit me over the last couple of days that you know that conversation that spat that we saw man that really set up the nil conversation over the last two years because you 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 jimbo fisher went full at nick saban um talking about how you know you got a glass house there you're not a god you know you're not the czar of college football um but you don't see it nowadays anymore two years has gone by you don't really see coaches coming after other teams or other coaches in in college football anymore and calling them out they'll say hey it's free agency and other schools are doing it but we didn't get a a nick and jimbo moment after that and and honestly i think that was the point where everybody was like zip it I don't need my news broadcasted to everybody else. And we just saw Nick Saban, legendary coach, go after Jimbo. Lord knows what else could, somebody else could say. Um, so we are. it's interesting to see where we are two years ago, Jonathan, to where we are right now when it comes to NIL. And I think this thing is going to just continue to bundle getting down the road uh, because the SEC and the Big Ten – they want their pie out of this new college football playoff. And 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 I and I do think it's gonna get a little more crazier before it settles down. Guess that at outkick.com. Trey, um homework before the next time you join us that I want you okay. to get to the bottom of and 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 okay. have uh, and I know you're gonna have a good answer on it regardless, but what exactly went down between Alabama and Eli Gold um, oh. that has caused this friction? Because I was talking with an Alabama buddy today. I really thought Eli Gold just took over in the early mid-aughts in that job. And I thought, you know, Bama fans are all intoxicated by the Saban era. And they really just in love with Eli Gold because he lined up with the Saban era. He started in 1988 as the play-by-play <laughs> voice of Alabama. Someone corrected me on that. I said, I, I stand corrected. I had no idea he went back that long. But for him to say I was willing to travel to road mm. games, I was willing to do all this, and they said, nope, we don't want you anymore. Do some digging on that, and uh, I'm going to ask you about that next time you join us. I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger as we go out. Okay. There is a lot more to this story that's being put out right now. The Paul a Harvey. Lot more. The Paul Harvey I mean, of, uh, remember, the re now you know the rest was, of the story. Dude was insane. That's going to be Trey next time he joins Eli us. Eli Gold would call the game wherever it was, and then he would call the NASCAR race for MRN or PRN. I can't remember which one. The next MRM. day, wherever the race was, nuts. And then the Preds. He was the play-by-play. He was play the Nashville Predators radio that too. voice he, for he two years. It, I yes, think, he in the did middle of all, all of that and still made the games. Trey, uh, now that he has would be not a, done basketball for Bama in no. like ten or fifteen years. There's been another that's guy right. doing that that's now going to take over football too. I believe. Right. Is, is, yeah, that's right. Trey, great stuff, man. We'll be reading more at Outkick. I look forward to doing my homework. I'll see you guys okay, next time. Yeah. Uh, Cannot wait. Trey Wallace podcast there. Maybe that'd be a great guest. That's what I do. I, I'm just, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm the setter, right? I'm the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, uh, I forget the exact, uh, the libero. 
Oh, the, the libero in volleyball is the the person who sets. Trey will. I believe a libero only happens in women's volleyball, but I'm the libero. Chad will uh, be your libero. You know, we're very progressive on the show. I I could be a woman. Why not? I'm the libero here in a volleyball match, and I'm setting Trey up. Perfect set. Right over the net, he's going to come in next visit, and he's going to spike it on this Eli Gold story. Don't call, don't call Chad Mister. Call him Libero. Yeah, you call he's me. Identified as a, a Libero. Say my name. Libero Chad. Say my name. Libero Withrow. We say the name of Dan Dockage next on Hot Mike. <laughs> 